All right, welcome, welcome everybody. Going to be getting started here for the day. <clears throat> so co-laboring with God, right? It's not, it's not what you want to hear, right? You want to hear that God will do it for you, but that is not what God is saying, right? God is saying, hey, I'll guide you. I'll go with you, but I'm not just going to, well, Rarely, right? We don't put God in a box, i.e. if God wants to hand you a lottery, right? Something like that. If God wants to exalt you, he can exalt you, but you have to follow his ways. You have to listen to God. If God says, hey, I want you to go buy a lottery ticket and you don't buy a lottery ticket, well, God says, well, you missed it. You know, I'll, I'll give it to you still probably, but not always. And understanding that it is co-laboring, we work in unity we work in unison in God. This is what Christianity is, right? It is going out into the world and displaying the reckless love of God that will chase you down, that will come after you, that will hold you back from making that mistake. It will, when you step out of alignment, it will bring you back into alignment. But this involves, right, discipline, right? If you step out of alignment, right, and you won't listen to a mere word, then God will, that is what the shepherd's cane is for, right? He brings the sheep back into the sheep pen, back into Jesus Christ, back into the oneness with God. This is what Christianity is all about. We're defining that state called Christian and then pressing into it with all our spirit, mind, bodies, actions, and words. With everything that we are, we press into the Lord God of Israel, God and his holy ways. This is what Christianity is about. It is obeying God. It is following God. And through obedience in God is how we establish, is how we become what God desires for us, what God's plan entails. That's how you receive it. That's how you get there. But you can't do it without God. It won't work. Not to mention that there is, there is a riddle posed in the Bible, right? There is a mystery, the great mystery of the heavens and the earth, the great mystery of God. Who knows why God doesn't just reach down and tap his servants' lives and say, you're exalted, I've decided to give you a hundred, two hundred million dollars so that you can go out into the world and propagate my will for the rest of your life. Why doesn't God do that? Why won't he do that? Well, when you examine the Bible, mankind is real big on materialism. Mankind is real focused on finance and building new ways to create more money, right? More, 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 says mankind, while God says, you're enough how you are. If you want to build, that's great, but you're enough how you are. You're good enough how you are right now. You're good enough how I designed you. You're good enough how I made you. And I need you to know that before I can give you the rest. You see, what God looks for is incorruptible pearls. And once he finds that incorruptible spirit, well, 
He'll set you on the path to exaltation. He'll set you on a path that will raise you up above the rest of all mankind, right? So understanding this is very important, right? We have to get the inner state right first. <clears throat> the most important part is when that wickedness, when that sin starts to grow within ourselves, we have to get it out. You have to stop, slow down, focus on what's important because what is important, right? Funny enough, right? It's not often what mankind is chasing. Mankind is often chasing uh, empire or their own dreams or exaltation or fame in, in one form or another, right? But fascinating, the fascinating thing is when you look at the wisdom of the millennials, right? People who have lived a hundred years, right? These people are saying, man, I wish I wish I had slowed down. I wish I had laughed more. I wish I had taken myself less serious. I wish I had lied less. I wish I had been better to people, things like that. And they're saying, you know, after a hundred years of wisdom, right? And it's important to grasp right today, right? Maybe you're 40 years old, maybe you're 30, maybe you're 20, maybe you're uh, 18, who knows, right? But you will gain more wisdom. The wisdom will amass, right? God is growing you. <laughs> and God, he has a very subtle style. You may not understand it, but God is indeed moving you today at this moment towards the point of your grand destiny, your purpose for which you were created by the Lord God of Israel to go out into the earth and fulfill, to bring to completion. This is what God is talking about. This is where God is leading you, but he, you, you can't serve two masters, right? Interestingly enough, many versions of the Bible translate, uh, you cannot serve two masters as you cannot serve both God and money. It's actually incorrect. It's you cannot serve both God and the devil, right? You can have money, right? But you can only serve one master, right? So your master, our, our master as Christians, we have to, we have to remain in God. We have to follow God and hold God first as our one true and only master. And it's so fascinating to see just how many people lose sight of <clears throat> what is actually important in their lives. They stop focusing on love. They stop focusing on family. They stop focusing on what creates silver lining memories. And they start focusing on money or a business or perhaps something that doesn't, I mean, something that doesn't even matter at all. Oftentimes you see in people's lives when you are, uh, too close, you know, face to face with a situation. The situation may seem very important, but when you take 10 steps back and say, you know, what if I just let this whole situation go? Man, this guy, this person, they were really agitating me. This girl, whoever, who knows what it is, right? This situation is really agitating me. It's really bringing sin in. And you, when, you're, when you're holding it this close and you've got it in your hand, you say, man, it's so important. This is the most important thing, man. I've got to really, I've got to win this. I've got to, I've got to be successful in this. But when you realize that it's not that important, whatever it is, practically, it's not that important. 
99% of the time, it is not that important. But uh, when you take a step back, right, you realize just how irrelevant and it'll give you a chance to recenter yourself into the presence of God, into God's purpose for your life, as opposed to potentially overemphasizing, putting, putting a higher level of importance uh, on something than it, its actual level of, of importance, right? Which may cause you to, to err, which may cause you to mess up, right? When the eyes, when our eyes, when the eyes of mankind should be fixated on the Lord God of Israel, God's holy ways, his purpose, his divine ways, the teaching of doctrine, the giving of love, the outreach, reaching the philanthropy, right? The obedience, right? <clears throat> and you may not understand why, why, right? You gain wisdom of God's ways. You gain the wisdom of God's holy ways, why they are so powerful, why they are so efficient, why they are considered the ways of God, only when you practice them. So if you can have the wisdom to just say no to what God says don't do for a while in your life, right? This will be extremely beneficial, right? Because it will give you time to view and observe what happens to other people who who go out and make the mistake of, of these sins that God says don't do. And you will be able to observe them, right? Funny enough, right? God created the world. He says, this is sinful. This is good, right? <clears throat> and what is good, you will see people practicing and doing, and it will produce good fruit. And what is not good, what is sinful, indeed, you will see people doing, and you will see the bad fruit. Never, never do you see someone practicing wickedness or malice or uh, greed or something sinful and not yielding the bad fruit. They will receive exactly what is apportioned to them, to those who sin. Right. The result of sin itself is that bad fruit. Right. <clears throat> and that bad fruit, it cannot be missed. It not it may not. It cannot be missed. Right. When God raises someone up, when God raises uh, <clears throat> any king up in the Bible, for example, King Saul and King Saul turns on the Lord God of Israel and he betrays God. He starts disobeying God, and he starts doing it his own way. And when King Saul does this, God turns on him. And he says, Saul, I'm going to take the whole kingdom out of your hands. I'm going to give it to someone worthy. And he gives that kingdom to David. Now that process takes a long time. But lo and behold, that process happens. You cannot stop the will of the Lord God of Israel. Many have tried, but none have succeeded. Many have searched from the dawn of time until time's end for a better offer than what God is offering for each and every one of our lives. But so few will answer the call of God and receive 
that offer of silver linings, that exaltation at the hand of God, by the hand of God, through God's ways. And yes, God will be with you. The, a divine being will be with you, walking with you every day of your life, guiding you, guiding your actions, leading you to events where you step out the door. And there is a blessing waiting for you, something incredible, a gift from God waiting for you, sitting there. You step out the door, there they are, waiting for you. A life of silver linings, incredible things. No matter how hard the children of the devil, the enemies of God may try and stop you, there is nothing that can stop the one true living God. No matter how hard other people may try and bring you down or pull you away from your destiny, you cannot stop the power of the one true God. And God is a God of love, right? What he does, what he does for us, where he is leading us, he is leading us out of areas of lack into areas of plenty. But you have to obey. If God says, hey, I want you to be a loving person, you say, no way, I'm going to keep being hateful. Don't be surprised if that hatefulness <clears throat> continues to bear bad fruit in your life. So when God says that we are to be a nation of healers, healing the lost sheep of all Israel, reaching down into the sin and pulling God's children out of the mud, out of the sin, into the state of righteousness, into life, into life everlasting, then as Christians, we're called to do it. And if you're not doing it, you're not Christian. Because Christians obey the will of God over their own will, over their own wants, over their own desires. I may want this. Man, I really wish I could have that thing. But God says, this is the end. This is the decision point. You've tried my patience long enough. If you continue down that road of sinfulness, down that road of pointing away from God, of over-focus, of placing an, uh, a larger amount of focus on one thing other than God himself for too long, you will have walked out of the ways of God. The most important thing in a church, in a temple, in a Christian Christian's life is God and God alone. And so understanding that when there are things that we may want, we may desire, right? Mankind, right? Have you ever had a desire? You said, man, I really want that. And then you got it and you said, wow, this isn't nearly as good as I thought it was. I remember when I was young, I wanted a, a sports car. And I worked hard and I got a sports car. And when I got that sports car, I said, man, this was the biggest waste of money I have ever, I have ever spent in my life. It does exactly what all the other cars does do and nothing else. Excuse me. 
And <laughs> it was fascinating because this is an example of materialism, right? I wanted something material, but what I should have wanted, what my focus should have been on, was the Lord God of Israel and his divine ways and his glory and leading the nations into exaltation, into the ways of God, into the ways of righteousness. This is where my focus should have been, but <laughs> I was young and that wasn't where it was. So understanding this is important. Understanding this is, well, it's the difference between life and death, right? If you don't understand that righteousness is what you want and you pursue materialism, well, you are mortal. You will be mortal. You will be of the world. And the reward for being mortal is out of the dust. You are formed and into the dust you shall return. The reward for evil is out of the dust you were formed and into Hades you shall descend. Hellfire and damnation are part of any true Christian Covenant. Any true Christian faith believes in hell because Christ himself spoke of hell. And so understanding that we are laying those ways down, right? We're not trying to pursue those ways. That we're trying to pursue the ways of God over the ways of mankind, over and above all other things in our lives. But this will also take, right? This entails understanding that God's ways will cause our own lives to flourish. It will cause our own lives to be amplified, not diminished, right? So if you think of a Christian life as a life of uh, boredom or something like that, it seems boring. That's not, it's, it can be accurate. It doesn't have to be accurate, right? A Christian life, a Christian church, right? They are thriving, in community. They are rich, deeply seeped in community. God is with them, right? The love of God is with them. And it takes that community to have that adhesiveness, right? It takes that community to have that glue. It takes the love of God to have that glue that holds the community so tightly together that no matter what comes, no matter the trials or the perils, they will overcome. And the community will still stand. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about in the book of Ephesians 6, right? Put on the full armor of God so that on the day of evil you may stand and stand, right? Understanding this is extremely important, right? The ways of God will make you stronger. The ways of God will make you smarter, the ways of God will amplify you in absolutely every way. This is why it is written that one of us, one Christian will chase 10 and 10 of us will chase a thousand. But understanding how that is, how that is possible, well, that's one of the riddles of the Bible, right? And you have to press into your faith. You have to seep deeply wade out into the waters of faith deeply to understand exactly how this makes perfect logical sense. And the first step of becoming Christian is being extremely loving.
loving towards ourselves, loving towards God, loving towards others, right? And so uh, I was speaking with a friend and he was telling me, oh, I'm in this uh, new sort of church and they meditate 20 minutes, five times a day. This is <laughs> excess, right? You need to stay in your own lane. You need to stay in your own beliefs of Christianity. And if you trust me, that's great. But if you don't trust me, then you need to know what the Bible says, what God says accurately. You need to understand the nature of God so that when someone else comes up and says, hey, I've just, I don't want you to stay in my own, your own lane. I want you to meditate with me for two hours a day. This is it's a it's a very large waste of time, uh, except in extreme circumstances. For example, when Moses was going up to Mount Sinai, I can imagine there was a lot of calm communion with God there, right? But understanding, right? You need to do what it takes. Maybe it's not a set twenty minutes. You need to do what it takes to remain out of alignment with the world, out of alignment with sinfulness, not allowing sinfulness to have power over yourself, not allowing anything to have uh, take a higher place in your life over God. And you need to bring yourself out of alignment with the world into alignment with the one true living God. And by doing this, all things will become possible to you. All pathways will open. Exaltation will be handed to you. You will be like a lamp being made right until the lamp maker, he finishes you and he brings you forth and he puts you not under a bucket, but on a table, onto a table so that the lamp, so that you, the light, can give light to the whole house, to the whole city, to a whole nation. This is what God is promising. This is what God is offering. But don't think God's nowhere in the Bible does it say, oh, God, it's going to be easy. God's going to do it all for you. It's going to be cake. God's going to hand it to you. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. None of the prophets were handed exaltation. Not one of them. Not one character throughout the entire Bible was handed their exaltation. They all had to answer the call of the one true living God and run like the wind in order to get it. Each and every one of them. So understanding that where God is leading us, right? We have to trust God in order to follow God, right? Otherwise, halfway down that path, you're going to say, I didn't trust you when I started this path. And I didn't trust you. I don't trust you now. I'm out of here. Right? And that will not work out so well. <clears throat> so trust is faith. Faith is trust. They're one and the same. We put our faith in God. We walk by faith, by faith alone. As Christians, we walk by faith and faith alone. Faith in God. Faith in God and God alone. So understanding that 
God is leading us to a good portion, understanding that God is leading us to a point of exaltation. That's the offer. That is God's offer for your life, but you have to follow it, right? This is what Christ is suggesting. Lay down your life, take up your cross, right? Lay down your ways, lay down the ways of the world and take up the ways of God. And, and all things will become possible. It's the mustard seed of faith. It's the point of righteousness. The mustard seed of faith where you take that mustard seed with you out onto the waters. And as you walk on those waters, you point that mustard seed at a mountain and say, jump to that mountain. And that mountain, it jumps. And for me, in my life, that mountain, it's about to jump. So... Right. And as Christians, you have to understand that the prophets, Christ himself, gave commandments in a sequential order. Right. The, the commandments are numbered one through ten or one through twelve. Right. With the first two commandments being given by Christ himself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the first two steps to becoming Christian. You start practicing that love. You stay focused in it. You're not letting thoughtless words come out of your mouth that are damaging your friends or your family. You're gaining that self-control that is necessary to guard yourself back, guard yourself away from sin. You say, well, I've tried malice. I've tried bitterness. I've tried this hatred in my life. I'm done with it. I don't want it anymore. I want the ways of God. And when you do that, when you press into that point of righteousness and you trust God, you trust God like you believe you need air to breathe in your lungs. You trust God like that. There's nothing God won't give you. Absolutely nothing. I guarantee you. Seek first the kingdom of righteousness and all things will be added to you. God does this out of love. He leads his servants out of that reckless love, out of whatever point of despair they may be at in their lives, into the point of exaltation, into the point of love, a loving exaltation in the hands of God. This is Christianity. This is the offer, but you have to follow it, right? You have to obey. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Blessings on you all. Have a great rest of your evening.